Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumble.org. Well, hey, Oak Hill family. Uh, we wish we could be with you in person, and yet we're trying to make the best of this difficult situation. And so we're glad that you've joined us online to worship together today. Uh, we are in this together, so we're glad that you have joined with us in your home to worship with us uh, today. Uh, we know that this has been an unprecedented situation, and it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, and yet we wanna encourage you. We don't wanna see this as just an unwanted disruption. We wanna see this as God's invitation to us. And so today we're gonna to begin this new series called The Extraordinary Opportunity. We have an extraordinary opportunity that God has given us to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus. And even though we're practicing social distancing, we're still relationally connecting with one another. And so this is an opportunity we have and we don't wanna miss it. We wanna seize the opportunity before us. You know, the word itself, extraordinary, this is what it means. It means very unusual or remarkable, rare and unique and unprecedented. And so that's the time that we're in right now. Uh, this is very unusual. Uh, I've talked to several people as well as my own parents and I've said we've never experienced something like this in our entire lifetime. This is definitely unusual and rare and unique. And yet with this extraordinary opportunity, uh, we wanna tell you that God is going to do something, I think, profound in our lives. As we continue to, to meet uh, um, online, as we continue to, on our own, in our own families, uh, just be ready to seize this opportunity that God has given to us. I love what Benjamin Franklin says. He says, out of adversity comes opportunity. Out of adversity comes opportunity. You know, I think the church, throughout its history, um, there have been times of adversity, and, and the church has risen up during those times and has seen it as an opportunity to, to love and to bless others and to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus. And so I'm asking the question, what is God going to teach us through this time, and how are we going to respond to him? I think for some of us, maybe you kids today, um, as you've thought about it, you're, you're kind of like this happy duck right here. Uh, you're really happy, and here's why. No school, right? No homework. And more time with family, right? More activities and fun and just being together. And, and maybe even for you adults, it's been a season now where you can slow down and be still and just read the books you wanted to read or to watch the movies you've been wanting to watch. And so it's been a different pace. And so you've, you've had times where you're, you're happy. And yet I think if we're honest, the vast majority of us are not like the happy duck. We're more like the sad duck right now. And I know that for my own family, you know, we're dealing with a lot of cancellations and the fact that the things we were looking forward to, the things we had on the calendar are, are postponed or canceled altogether. And I think there's a lot of, of loss as we consider those things, especially as I think about you seniors in high school. This is not what you signed up for, right? And yet there's, there's also the grief that comes from maybe uh, situations uh, with your job, you know, and trying to, to navigate your finances. 
Maybe for some of you, it's family members that you're concerned about or those who are now serving in, as healthcare professionals and just praying for them and, and hoping that this, this virus doesn't come into our own community. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of sadness and, and, and grief, perhaps even discouragement that can come. And so when we think about the, the happy duck and the sad duck, when we bring those two together, what do we get? Well, here's what we get. We get a paradox. A, par- a paradox. A paradox. Here, here's what a paradox is, okay? A paradox is simply this. It's a statement that seems contradictory, but in reality, it's true. A statement that seems contradictory, but in reality, it's true. And here's the reality. The Christian life is a paradox. There is both sadness and happiness, sorrow and joy. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 6.10. He says, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. So that's, that's the Christian life. We can be sad and we can be happy at the same time, simultaneously. And it seems like a paradox, and yet it's true. Paul Tripp says this, he says, as Christians, we ought to be the saddest and yet most celebratory people on the planet. And, and here's why. If we're honest, as we look out over the landscape of our world, this fallen, broken, sinful world that we live in, we have reason to be sad. We have reason to be sad. And yet, if we consider the magnificent love and, and grace of God, we have reason to celebrate. And so as Christians, we, we can feel the tension there. We, we have the sadness and the happiness at the same time. And yet I've noticed in our culture that so often we're afraid to go there. We're afraid to be sad and to, to grieve. I picture us a lot like the little girl in this movie that some of you know, Inside Out. You remember this movie? So this little girl, their family, they gotta pick up and move. She's only 11. And up to this point, the predominant emotion in her life is joy. And yet now, she doesn't know what to do with herself because she's dealing with a lot of sadness. And the whole point of the story is we've got to make room for sadness and grief. Well, I want to give you the opportunity, the opportunity to grieve. I want to give you permission to be sad during this time, this season of our lives. And I want to uh, show you some verses today from this book of Lamentations. And you might think, Lama, what? Lamentations is a book of the Bible. And it's really a fancy word for a collection of laments. And, And here's what a lament is. A lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart that leads to hope in God. And so this entire book, God has put in his Bible to to be devoted to sadness. We think, why why wouldn't you just edit that out of the Bible, God, if you wanted to, to not be so discouraging? And yet it's encouraging for us that he put this in here. And here's why. We all go through seasons of sadness in our lives. And we need to be honest with ourselves and be willing to express that personally and as a community. And so in the context of this book of Lamentations, Uh, Jeremiah the prophet is looking out over his city that is now in ruins. It's a war-torn city. And as a community, they're grieving. 
And so whereas Job, the book of Job, speaks of Job's personal suffering, Jeremiah now speaks of this national suffering, this community that's suffering together. And we can relate to that, right? We're in this together. We feel the sadness corporately as a church family, as a community, as we're trying to navigate these uncharted waters together. And so the book of Lamentations helps us in that regard. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through just a few verses from Lamentations chapter 3. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and open up to Lamentations chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be up there on the screen in back of me. Feels like it's been a while since I've said that. We're going to read through these verses in Lamentations chapter 3. And what I want you to note is how Jeremiah lays out his grief and then leads his heart to hope in God. So let's look at these verses together. Lamentations chapter 3. This is the word of God. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And so, so here's the main point of these verses. Lay out your grief and then lead your heart to hope in God. Lay out your grief and then lead your heart to hope in God. So let's start with that first part, lay out your grief. Here's what Jeremiah says again. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it is bowed down within me. And so he's remembering two things. He's remembering and he's wanting God to remember his affliction. Now this affliction has come from God. God is is judging and disciplining the people of God for their sin. Now, we don't know if that's the reason why this virus has come into our world, and we can't speculate. And yet, in this specific situation, this affliction has come from the hand of God to get their attention. So he's remembering the affliction and the the city that lies in destruction, and he's also remembering his wanderings. Now, the wanderings not only include the physical wanderings around the city, but also perhaps it's the wanderings of his own heart and soul. And we can relate to this. I don't know about you, but my soul, my heart has been disoriented, right? My life, the rhythms are all out of whack. And so it's kind of upsetting and discouraging at times because we're not used to all this and all these changes that come our way. And he's asking God, hey, remember me in my affliction, in my wanderings. And he says the wormwood and the gall. And that simply is referring to the bitterness and the disappointment that I feel, that I'm tasting in my heart. I can't get the taste of bitterness out of my soul. In fact, he's been humbled by it. He says my soul continually remembers it and it's bowed down within me. I mean, this has been a long season. And I want to just say this to us. we got to be prepared for the long season ahead. I'm not sure if this is going to be just weeks. I think it might be months. None of us knows for sure. But as we prepare and ready our souls for that, may God humble us and do a work in us to just come with a soul that's ready to hear from him. 
And so this begins with Jeremiah saying, I'm gonna lay out my grief to you, God. And notice this, what he doesn't do. When we deal with our grief, sometimes we just wanna keep dwelling on it. And that's not what Jeremiah does. He doesn't just have a pity party for himself. Oh, I feel sorry for myself. And I'm just gonna be dwelling on all the situations around me. And I'm just gonna keep on being discouraged by everything I see. And, and that's not what's happening. He's not stewing over all of this. He's just being honest. And I think that's a good word for us, for those of us who are scrolling through Facebook and uh, just all the news and media. And, and sometimes we can just kind of come just with this, this heart that's discouraged then and, and growing in disappointment. And we've got to watch that. That, that could then grow into depression. And so we've got to be mindful of that, not to dwell on our grief in an unhealthy way. In contrast, what he didn't do is he didn't deny it, right? Some of us, we don't dwell on it. We just want to deny our grief altogether and just move on. I mean, we want to live the victorious, joyful Christian life. And so when disappointment and sadness and grief come our way, we think the answer is just to stuff it, right? And to downplay it. And yet, here's what happens. If we try to deny our disappointment and our sadness, a root of bitterness can begin to grow in our heart. And out of this root of bitterness can, can, can grow the fruit of anger and, and even unbelief. And so we've got to be willing to deal with that seed of disappointment and sadness and, and not deny it but to, to express it. That's what we need to do, to be like Jeremiah, to express these things to God, to lay out our grief before God and just say, hey, honestly, I'm dealing with grief here, God, with, with some of the things that have happened, these losses, whether small or big, I wanna tell you in a raw and honest way that I'm grieving here, I'm sad. We need to express our grief to God. We need to lay out our grief before him. And yet we can't stay there. The second part is we've got to then lead our heart to hope in God. And so what we're going to see here is a transition, a profound transition here in the Bible that Jeremiah makes here with one word. Watch what he says here. He says, but, but, even though I'm sad, even though I'm laying out my grief to you, God, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope, but this I call to mind. This is what I want to remember. I don't want to just remember all of the affliction and my wanderings and the fact that my soul is in, is in a state of grief. This is what I want to call to mind. I want to remember something with an even greater magnitude. And so what is he remembering? What is he calling to mind? What is he rehearsing? Three things. Number one, he's remembering God's mercies. He's remembering God's mercies. Here's what he says. He says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so in, in a time of grief, in a time of sadness, he says, I gotta call to mind. I gotta choose to remember God's mercies. Now, here's the situation. Jeremiah is not experiencing a peaceful, idyllic scene when he pens these words of God's mercies are never ending. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but these verses come to my mind when a beautiful sunrise like happens in the morning and I'm prone to think, hey, his mercies are new. Look at how he's been so good to me. 
In fact, I, I took this picture and put it on Facebook a while back. It just said, good morning, Humboldt. His mercies are new every morning. So just looking out at the, at the town and just the sunrise coming up, I was just worshiping God and thanking him for his mercy. And that's, that's fine, that's okay. And yet, in this context, when Jeremiah writes these words, he's writing it into a war zone. In a day of darkness and gloom, he says that God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Can you say that today? His steadfast love endures even in the midst of all of this? That's what Jeremiah is doing to help his heart to be moved to hope in God. And so how can we remember God's mercies? How can we do that practically? I think for one, I just encourage you that don't spend all your time on Facebook, but actually get your face in the book, in the Bible. Carve out a time and a place where every day I'm gonna read just a portion of God's word. I'm gonna have that be my new normal. So if the Bible is kind of new to you, maybe start in the book of John. Just start reading, maybe just a few verses at a time, and then just keep going through the New Testament. So we've gotta, we've gotta read his word to know his mercies. But we don't stop there. We, we've also gotta sing. <laughs> we've gotta sing. We, we are providing for you some songs uh, for you to sing together uh, as a family or as an individual. And singing is important, here's why. It helps us connect the truth into our hearts. Songs have a way of doing that, helping us to reflect upon God's mercies in a special way. And so sing, sing together, sing out loud. Uh, singing also has a way of, I think, silencing the enemy and his discouragements. We sing these things and they become more real to us as we give voice to the reality of God's mercies. So we sing, we sing together and we remember his mercies. So that's the first thing, we remember God's mercies. The second thing that Jeremiah was doing to lead his heart to hope in God was he remembered that God was enough. He said, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is my portion. Makes me think of the Exodus when God's people were rescued out of Egypt. And then as they were in the wilderness for 40 years, God provided for them manna, bread from heaven. Every day, this daily mercy, this manna from heaven. They had to trust in him in this time of, of testing. And I wonder if God's doing that in our lives today. In this time of, of testing, will you trust me with the manna that I give you, the mercies I give you every morning, that I'm your portion? And that even when things are being stripped away from our lives, that God is enough, that Jesus, you're enough. You're enough, Jesus. You're my portion, and therefore I will hope in you. You know, one thing is guaranteed, that when you wake up tomorrow, 100% guaranteed, if you're a Christian today, there will be new mercies waiting for you. I've seen it on Facebook, heard about it even in our little sphere of uh, friendships here that there are several of you and several of those in Facebook land who are actually trying to decorate their houses for Christmas um, to bring about the Christmas cheer as they're kind of in this gloomy time. And that's okay if you wanna do that, but if you don't wanna do that, here's the deal. Every morning when you wake up, 
There are brand new mercies, gifts for you to unwrap of God's grace and his love, just waiting for you, waiting to help you throughout each day. So remember that he is enough. And then thirdly, remember, he's doing something in the waiting. Jeremiah says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You know, we don't, we don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait. Sometimes in a season of waiting, we just feel like that time is wasted. Why are we waiting? We feel like in the time of waiting, we're, we're not doing anything. And, and that's the point. God is doing something in the waiting. Even though it feels like we're not doing anything, God is doing something in us. There's value in waiting. God is teaching us life lessons in the waiting. In fact, it says here in verse 27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So, so children and students, listen, you're learning the value of waiting through this difficult season, but it's a good thing. You're learning it and learning this life lesson today that in the times of waiting, God is doing something in your life. Let him, let him teach you in this season of waiting. I love what Jackie Hill Perry says. She says, sometimes the miracle isn't in your prayer being answered, but in your faith being grown as you wait. So listen, all of us here, if we're honest, we would love for this thing to be over, over with. I mean, we're praying for that to happen, right? And yet, as we wait, In this season of waiting, God is doing something in us to grow us deeper in our faith in Jesus. And so we lay out our grief, and then we lead our heart to hope in God. Guys, this is an extraordinary opportunity, an extraordinary opportunity that God has given for us to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus together. I wanna end with a story. And so this was about eight years ago now where my family and I, um, God called us to humble Iowa. And yet, if I'm being honest with you, this was, this was a difficult um, kind of season. Um, I mean, we were comfortable. We really were there in LaGrange, Kentucky. And, and God said, I, I, I wanna give you an opportunity. And it was kind of a disruption, to be honest with you. We didn't see it at first as an invitation. I did, but not my entire family. That was a big move. I mean, all the way from LaGrange, Kentucky to Humboldt, Iowa. And yet God was doing something in that time. Our children at that time, Emmy was in fourth grade. Uh, Lily was in second grade. Uh, Luke was just three and a half. And, and Harper wasn't born yet. And I won't tell you how old Jamie and I were. But uh, this, this season was a time of, of sadness because we had to let go of some things. We had to say goodbye to some things. Um, And yet it was also a time of joy and anticipation and hope of of this opportunity that God had given to us. And and so here's what what we did. Jamie and I wanted just to help our kids navigate through that time. And so we had them, and and we did this for ourselves as well. We took a note card. And on the front of that card, we had our kids write down all the things that they were sad about. You know, like that sad duck. You know, if you're sad, what are you sad about? What are you gonna miss? What is gonna be the things that you know it'll be hard for you to say goodbye to? So, so write those things down. And then on the opposite side of the card, we had them write down, what are you thankful for? And what are you asking God to do in, in Humboldt, Iowa? And I wanna tell you, we still have those note cards. 
And as we look back on those days and that season that seemed like kind of adversity, it became an opportunity for us to live that paradoxical Christian life of sadness and joy and joy and sadness and to see God's faithfulness through it all. And so, listen, as, as we close, um, I don't know how you're feeling. Maybe you're feeling more like the sad duck or maybe you're more like the happy duck. But I want to encourage you as a family or as an individual to take some time on a note card or a piece of paper and just to write down maybe three things on the front of that card that you're sad about in this season. Just to be honest, to give a voice to your grief. And then on the flip side of that card, write down three things that you're thankful for. Three things that you're hoping God for. You're you're asking him to do in this season and you're just thankful for how he's provided. And then share those things with someone or with your family members. And then the other thing is this. We've got a church family and we're all in this together and some of us are feeling really happy. Some of us are feeling really sad. And the Bible says that we ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've got a church directory at home, take that directory and throughout this season, just open up the directory and pray. Pray for one individual or one family uh, each day. And if you want to take one more step, uh, try to contact at least one person or one family each day and just to see how they're doing, uh, to pray for them and to listen. Guys, we're, we're in this together. In this season, we have an extraordinary opportunity. We do. And one day, this paradoxical life will give way to paradise with Jesus forever in heaven. So let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you uh, that you understand our grief and sadness, and you encourage us to just lay that grief before you. And God, we know that this is going to be a difficult time as we navigate this and we understand that there will be um, loss and we understand that there will be um, testing and, and trials that will come with this. And we just want to admit um, our emotions right now are all over the place. And God, we also want to lead our heart to hope in you, God, to, to remember your mercies. They, they never cease. They are new every morning. And so God, help us, even in the midst of days that seem disappointing, days that were given towards discouragement, that we would see this as an opportunity to lay hold of your mercy, to be in your word and to encourage one another, even though we're practicing social distancing, we can still relationally connect with one another and encourage one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So draw near to us, Jesus. Be with us. Help us to have hope, real hope in Jesus together. And we pray this in his name. Amen.